I was taking on too many things, not focused. So I'm learning that build a niche, focus on that niche, and do the best you can in it. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Pete Helm. How you doing, Pete? G'day, Joe. How you doing? I am doing well. And I'm guessing that you're not from Los Angeles, California, even though you're based in Los Angeles, California. I'm guessing you're from Australia. Am I right? Uh, I'll tell you what, you're pretty good. Yeah, I'm from the <laughs> down under, but I've been up here for quite a while, a couple of decades. Okay. Well, you still have the Australian charm, that's for sure. And I also have a cheat sheet in front of me that says you're from Australia too. So I think I've got an advantage there. A little bit about Pete. He is a partner at the Vineyard Investment Partners. He founded the Deal Hunter and started flipping houses in Los Angeles. He has a degree in city planning from the University of New South Wales. And with that being said, Pete, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. I came over to this country basically looking for cash flow because it doesn't really exist in Australia. And well, my wife and I started out flipping homes. We watched those shows on TV and we thought, well, you know what, we can do that too. So we actually started and we were pretty successful for couple of years, probably 2011 to 2014. That was working pretty well. But as prices rose, our profits were shrinking. And we figured there had to be a better way. And we decided to go full time into real estate and just learn everything we could. So we started getting a lot of education and getting mentors. And we learned that uh, you could actually go a lot bigger than we thought we could go. And uh, we learned about using other people's money. And what did you buy once you got those insights? We started out buying a mobile home park, very small deal in North Carolina. And it was a value-add opportunity where there were a lot of vacant lots and uh, a lot of the park-owned homes were in a lot of disrepair. So it was a big turnaround in that, and it's actually starting to work now. That was about a year ago. So we've only been doing this probably for about a year. So we're relative newbies in syndication and in getting into bigger deals. And then we actually we syndicated a couple of apartment buildings in New Mexico. And our whole thing is value-add, just finding properties that we can actually turn them around. Well, let's talk about this stuff. That's some interesting stuff. And I mean, you call yourself rather new to the syndication stuff, but you and your wife were flipping homes from 2011 to 2014, right? 
Right. But okay. we were using our own money and we did a couple of deals using hard money. But we had the money for one deal and we'd have to wait until we got the payoff for that to move on to the next. So we kind of felt like we had our hands tied. We didn't know how to go bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's when you were introduced to syndication. Was the mobile home park a syndicated deal? Yes, it was. Yeah. How many lots in the mobile home? 109 lots, and we only had two other investors in that deal. So it was a pretty small one, but that was kind of like our test to see if we could do it and if we could get the message across to investors to let them know that uh, there's more out there than putting your money in the stock market. From single-family homes where you're doing fix and flip, the natural evolution or progression is multifamily, which you said you did two of them. We'll get to that in a second. You went to mobile home parks. How'd you come across that and why mobile homes? Well, I guess we started from single family homes. We started looking at duplexes, fourplexes, eightplexes. And and then we figured we've got to somehow go bigger. And we soon realized that in this business, you can't do it alone and you need to partner with people. And we had to start networking, and we met someone who was doing mobile home parks and managing them, and he came to us and said, are you interested in syndicating a deal? So we did, and it was a very small deal, and he basically held our hand through it, and, uh, you know, we learned as we went and uh, probably made some mistakes along the way, but we learned. Mm -hmm. So did he have the deal? Yeah, he had the deal. Oh, he had the deal. And what value did he need you to bring? Well, he was in the situation of getting a lot of deals under contract and not having the funds to okay. see them through. So it was like, well, I got this deal here. Can you help me finish this deal, close this deal? So that's what we did. So it allowed him to move on to what he was good at, which was actually finding the deals and building out his property management company across the country to run the properties. So he's managing the mobile home park? Yeah. Okay. So basically he found the deal. He didn't have the money, but he had the management in place. And so he needed the money. And is he on the general partnership side with you all? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. What lessons did you learn on this one in particular? On this one in particular, number one, Get out there and talk to people on the ground. We found being in Los Angeles, it was kind of daunting to get out to different parts of the country and find deals. But we went into this deal initially without visiting the property. And we've learned from that that every single deal, get out there, visit the place, daytime, nighttime, talk to everyone you can, and make sure you have the right team in place. As far as visiting the property, what would be some things that you would have uncovered and perhaps approached differently if you had visited it before getting into the deal? When a seller or an owner says that the property is 90% occupied, you want to know who's occupying the place. <laughs> yeah. And we've had this experience going forward with our multifamily properties of finding a lot of tenants who are not really desirable and just getting the monthly rent out of people can be really, really difficult. And just finding out who your tenants are is probably the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've experienced that firsthand on my first syndication. The difference between physical and economic occupancy, physical being the percentage of people who are living there, but then economic people who are actually paying to live there, which is a big difference sometimes. Yeah, it certainly is. So you would talk to the people on the ground and you would do a little bit more due diligence on the economic versus physical occupancy. Yeah. Would you do another mobile home park? Well, as a matter of fact, we're doing a deal at the moment in Louisiana. We were attracted to the area because we're just seeing all these economic indicators, a lot of jobs coming in, a lot of construction. So we're actually doing an RV park and we're looking right now at getting mobile homes onto the property. So we're working on that at the moment. How did you structure the deal with your general partnership and your investors on the mobile home park, your first one? Well, we actually created an LLC for the entity and the investors are like passive investors. And our LLC is in partnership with the other general partner who is running the property. Uh And are you on the general partnership side? Yeah. Okay. And what's the structure with the limited partner versus the general partnership? Do you have a preferred return? Is it like 50-50, 70-30, 60-40? It's less than, it's like 25-75. Okay, cool. And is there a preferred return? No. So how long do you plan on having that property? That's a really good question. I have no idea. <laughs> what's the business plan, I guess? Maybe well, that's a better question. Look at three to five years. We may do a refi in a couple of years if uh, interest rates are still low and pay all the investors back. We'll see what happens. But it's a very small deal. Maybe that uh, once the initial capital is all paid back, we'll just hang on to the thing and it'll just keep cash flowing forever. Who knows? You've mentioned it's a small deal, but I think 109 lots is not a small deal. I think that's pretty large, but everyone has different contexts for what a small and large deal is. What about your apartments? You said you've syndicated two apartment buildings. What city? Albuquerque. In Albuquerque. Yeah. And the mobile home park was in, is it North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. What city? It's near Jacksonville, North Carolina. Okay, Jacksonville. There there are a bunch of Jacksonvilles around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. But okay, so one's in North Carolina. You're in Los Angeles. You got a mobile home park in North Carolina and two apartment buildings in Albuquerque. How the heck did you come across those two apartment buildings? Well, we were looking in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas City, Florida, and it seemed like everyone was looking in these areas. And I just said, you know what? I've created a persona, the deal hunter. And Hunter is spelled H-U-N-T-A. And I just figured I'm like this Aussie, like a crocodile hunter. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to get out there and besides wrestling with crocs, I'm just going to find markets that are kind of off the radar, off the beaten track. And I thought I'm going to stop looking at the places everyone else is looking that have this huge growth. And I'm going to start looking for places that maybe are fairly stable and look into the reasons why they're stable and how they got through the big downturn in 2008. So we looked at New Mexico and found that there is a high percentage of government jobs and military jobs there, and there's a lot of government research facilities. And during the big downturn, they didn't shed a lot of jobs. 
So what's happening is that government tends to be slow to add jobs and slow to reduce jobs. So we looked at the market and we figured it's fairly stable. It doesn't have the growth that you're seeing in a lot of other areas, but we figured we could make it work if we find the right properties. So I jumped in there. I spent a couple of days just talking to brokers, property managers, a couple of real estate attorneys. Were you there physically or did you just call? Physically, you flew there and you met with people, okay? Just things kind of fell in place and I'm kind of relying on my gut more and more these days. And I just had a good vibe about the place and how everything was falling together. And within a month, we had two properties under contract. How did you get all this happening so fast? I think one of the things was I was looking at properties that a lot of people had seen before and kind of overlooked. So I actually found these two properties on LoopNet. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the asking price and I said, well, you know what? The asking prices are meaningless to me. I just have to do the numbers and see what works for me. So I did the numbers. I came up with a number that worked for me on both properties that was probably about 20% under asking, and we had the offers accepted. And then the next question was whether to actually do a syndication as a portfolio or keep the deal separate. Well, we actually kept the deal separate, but in hindsight, I think it would have been a lot easier to put them into one portfolio. Why is that? Well, one property might be doing better than the other, and you can average out the returns. The other thing is, I guess, dealing with investors, it would have been easier, I think, to have a portfolio. Initially, we thought it's probably going to be easier for investors to understand a simple deal, which is just one property, and that might have been the case. That may have been why we were able to raise the money for both of these deals, the raise happened sort of one after the other. And that was, I guess, last September, October. So the deals are fairly recent. We only actually closed on them in November. Congratulations on the closing for both of them. Yes, yeah, so one was a 77-unit building. The other was a 51-unit. And they were different sellers? Yes. What was being overlooked? What aspects did you find areas of opportunity where others overlooked them? Well, one of them was in a nicer area and the interiors hadn't been touched in probably 30 years. So we figured we could get in there and upgrade them to the level of the submarket. And the other property was in a worse part of town, but we were seeing other properties around there being rehabbed and we were seeing rents jumping up. And I think the second property, there are people scared off by the way that that submarket was perceived before as being okay. like a really bad area. Uh-huh. So both properties have actually been a lot of work, but we're seeing the turnarounds now. We're seeing that the rehabbed units are getting above the pro forma prices. And in the second property, where it's in the area that's not as desirable, we did a really nice paint job and just fixed up a bunch of things on the exterior, and now we're getting a lot more drive-by traffic. Yeah, congratulations on the strong start to both of those. Thank you. For people familiar with Albuquerque, what submarket is the nicer one, 
in and what submarket is the one that people might be less inclined to invest in? Right. The nicer market is called Uptown. It's of course walking. it is. Exactly. <laughs> called Uptown. It's walking distance to some really nice malls. And we're actually, what we're doing there, we want to turn that building into like a cultural and art icon. So we've commissioned a mural by a fairly well-known Native American artist. So that's all happening in the next month. And we've invited the community to come along and actually create the background for the mural. So we kind of hooked up with this organization called We Are the City in Albuquerque. And they're going to be giving the public balloons filled with paint and fire extinguishers filled with paint to basically blast this big 60 by 25 wall. And they create the background and create some excitement about the property and the project. And then the artist comes in and does his mural on top of that. And hopefully we'll kind of also elevate the whole area. We'll get onto the, I guess, the art tour map of the city. How much does that cost to commission the well-known Native American artist? About 10 grand. And a mural, is it just on one side of the building or is it at the front monument sign? Where is it? It's on the side of the wall that has a lot of visibility from the major streets around there. And even from one of the more upscale shopping centers, you could probably see it from there. So we're all about uplifting a community and creating a place where the tenants are proud to live. In the other sub-market? The other one, it's an area called the Southeast. I don't think it's a bad area, but in the past it had this reputation. It's right near the VA hospital and it's near a military base and it's actually near the main airport. So we're actually targeting veterans for that property. We're actually putting up a big banner there saying, actually, one of our partners in this project is a vet and the on-site property manager is a vet. So we're saying veteran-owned, veteran-managed, veterans welcome. That's the target there. Bravo on being very specific on who your target audience is and then catering to them. It's something that you don't hear frequently when you talk about these deals, and it's, it's pretty impressive that you're very narrowly focused. Thank you. I guess that's a personal thing where I always found I was taking on too many things, not focused. So I'm learning that build a niche, focus on that niche, and do the best you can in it. And with that last part that you said, build a niche and focus on it, how would you reconcile that approach with you buying mobile home parks and then also apartment <laughs> buildings? You, you know I had to call you out on it, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It started out the mobile home parks. We didn't know where to go. We were just trying something. And I think this point in time, we're finding it harder to get multifamily deals under contract where the numbers work. I think we have two niches that we're looking at. One is a multifamily and the other is we're going to keep on in that mobile home park, RV park area, and we'll see which area wins ultimately. I don't know. We may end up focusing more in one in the future, but at the moment, I guess the second deal came out of the fact that something fell into our laps and also there was a frustration of not being able to find the multifamily deals. 
that we need to find. And we've built up quite an investor database. And I get calls and emails from people saying, what do you have? You got anything? So it's kind of like, well, we want to be able to have something that we can provide and, and just help people out because we see what goes on with people's retirement funds and they're totally tied into Wall Street and the market might be up now, but I don't believe it's going to be up for a long time, up for much longer. And now is a great time, I think, to get into real estate, even if a lot of real estate prices are high. I think there are sub-markets that are on different parts of the cycle and we just got to keep looking and finding those areas and finding the deals. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice is get a mentor or mentors. Don't go it alone. Get help, education, and build teams, teamwork. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com. Best ever book you've read? Rich Dad Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done? Probably was the first single family flip. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Not reading all the fine print. What fine print did you not read? All the fine print. <laughs> Just what I said, Joe, all the fine print. <laughs> Fair enough. Was there a monetary loss as a result of not reading a certain aspect of the fine print? Not really. I've learned now, if you can't read it, get somebody to read it with you. Get a lawyer. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back? Give back, just helping kids. And where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Pete? On Facebook, I'm The Deal Hunter, H-U-N-T-A, The Deal Hunter. Also, our website is vip-assets, A-S-S-E-T-S.com. Pete, thank you for being on the show, talking about your syndication deals from the 109 lot mobile home park in North Carolina to the two Albuquerque apartment buildings, the 77 and the 51 unit, how you went there, you traveled from LA to Albuquerque and how you sniffed out Albuquerque because you're looking for a market that other people weren't talking about, but still in your opinion is stable and the reasons why it's stable the high percentage of government and military jobs and how they don't usually get added quickly or removed quickly based on your research and your very specific focus on who the properties are targeting primarily. Clearly, you rent to everyone, but primarily of a target audience. And then also the commissioning a mural by a well-known Native American artist for one of the properties and getting to the specifics of that. So thanks for being on the show. 
Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks so much, Joe. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.